Jesus, we lift our voices, oh God. We bless your name tonight. We say what a wonderful, powerful name the name of Jesus Christ is. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father. We thank you tonight, Lord. We bless your name tonight. Hallelujah. That's not only your name, but it's our name. It's the name that we are called by. It's the name that we fight by. It's the name that we love. We worship you tonight, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Praise the Lord. Well, we bring you greetings tonight. Certainly happy to be alive and thankful for the opportunity to be able to serve the Lord and gather again. And those of you that are gathered in your homes, around your computer, your phone, whatever it is, we certainly welcome you tonight from where you are. We're grateful that the Lord, by His grace, has kept us, helped us to be able to have this time together. I'm thankful that we have streaming. I know I hear it all the time, all during the week. It ain't the same as being there, but it's better than nothing. So keep that in mind. and it'll, it'll suffice until we can be able to gather together again. I certainly greet you tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus, and we're a few days closer, hopefully, to this thing being passed, where we can gather back together in the, in the place of, the, of worship. We uh, certainly want to um, make known to you tonight, I'm sure that many have heard today that Brother Jewel had uh, apparently a stroke this morning, and I talked to his daughter on my way to church tonight, and uh, he had uh, the blood clot procedure, and that was successful, but he's still unconscious, and they got him on a, on a breathing machine, a respirator. They said it could be six hours to two days before he comes conscious again, so they certainly want us to remember him. And they won't know about the damage until he does come to, so we want to just pray for our brother. Um, he was having it this morning and lost his ability to speak, so we trust and pray that God would just move for him. Also, Sister Cynthia Parker has been uh, diagnosed again with cancer, and God has brought her through that before, but we know how that devil is. If they miss one sale and it can hide, then it tries to come back again. Uh, but we believe the same Lord Jesus that brought her through the first time can bring her through again. They're getting her ready for uh, put a port in and things like that to, uh, to start a treatment. So we certainly want to remember her. Also, Sister Becky Johnson is going through uh, similar things. Sister Brenda Thompson down in South Carolina. Also, Brother Ron Spencer as well. 
Um, went back to see the doctors a couple of times this week, so we want to remember uh, them as well. I'm sure that many of you have needs. I know that a time like this is really difficult for all of us, not only physically, but psychologically. And uh, we want to remember each other in prayer. I've prayed for many over the phone and emails and texts, and not just from our church, but in different parts of the world. So it's affecting people in different ways. But just keep God's Word before you and know that God is mindful. He's going to bring us through this. We're going to be a stronger people when we come out on the other side. Let us turn tonight, if we can, and, and read in the uh, book of 1 John. We'll read the Scripture, and then we'll pray together. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, I want you to notice how that true love is not just based upon us, but it's based upon our love coupled or joined together with the love of the Father. If any man love the world... The love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, now listen to the consummation of everything we see, everything, every temptation uh, from the very beginning, even in Satan himself, and from the very beginning of the temptation in man, right up to the very end of the tribulation period, is based upon these three things that we're going to read. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. John offers us two simple ways by which we can choose. The one way is we follow the world, we'll pass away. We follow the love of the Father, the love of God, the will of God, the word of God, we will abide Forever. It's not really that complicated. It's quite simple. I trust that that's our desire tonight. Let's just pray together again over the word and just remember these requests. Heavenly Father, we once again counted such a privilege that been given to us, Lord, that we could bring the word to your children. And Lord, I realize this is not only for Happy Valley Church, but different churches that are unable to stream. And Lord, I think of the ones up in New York and New Jersey and different parts of the world where their government is not even allowing them to meet together at all. So Father, we're just asking tonight as we've gathered, Lord, that the Spirit of God would be mindful. Lord, you've got just a handful gathering up in Ohio and a handful down in Louisiana and different places where men of God are trying to gather and a few musicians to bring a service to their people. I pray, Lord, that you would help us tonight, Father. We're trying to do the very best that we can to be able to make it through these days. We thank you for your grace, for your sustaining power and strength. Lord, we want to bring these requests before you tonight, Father. Brother Jewel, you see this situation that happened to our brother today. We're believing you, Father, that you just move for him in a supernatural way. Sister Cynthia, pray for her tonight, God, that you just strengthen her. May you help her. May you direct the doctors, Lord, and help them, Father, to be able to make the right choices in the, in the medical aspect of it, Lord. We pray for Brother Ron. We pray, Lord, for Sister Becky Johnson, Sister Brenda Thompson, others that have needs, Lord. We're, we, we have so many needs among us. But we know, Father, if we was to pray for 24 hours a day and we would mention a new name, 
every five minutes and a request that would be so astounding and so overwhelming. By the time we got done, it might go into the hundreds or even into the thousands. But yet, Lord, it would not exhaust your power one bit more than what it was when we started our prayer. Because we know your power is so great and so omnipotent. So we believe you tonight, Father. And we know that we have untapped resources from the presence of God. Speak to us tonight from your word. Would you, Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. And all the saints, both here and on the internet, said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank the Lord for his mercy to help us tonight. I'd like to pick up again tonight, if the Lord would help me, um, on this thought that we've been looking at for, for several parts, and that is that Satan, being the opposite of kenosis, he does not understand it, he cannot relate to it. Really, unredeemed man cannot as well. I hate to say it in this way, but many church members really cannot relate to it in the right way because they have a love that is so shallow. For the Lord Jesus. They want Him as their, uh, their Savior. They want Him as Redeemer. They want Him as the one that will love them so much and He will love them. Oh, they love the terms of a love without conditions. But actually what many of them mean is a love without a requirement. That they really don't have to do anything. All they have to do is just be a good little boy and a good little girl, as good as they can in Laodicea. And if they mess up pretty much every day, which they figure they will, then that's what the blood's for. The blood is there, and the Lord Jesus knows they can't live right anyway, but I'm so glad we're not serving that kind of a God tonight. We're serving one who so fully redeemed us and changed us that he's took the very desire of sin out of our heart. Now, I thank God tonight that we can relate to that, and I understand that there's fewer and fewer of us that are living in the world that actually view it that that way. But what Satan actually wanted to do was bring the principal part of his own fall and be able to inject that into the human race. Now, he found three great primary things by which he was able to tempt Adam and Eve in the very beginning and mainly presenting this gateway of temptation into Eve and Eve walking one by one by one, one leading into the other, leading into the other until it consummated into the very last one which was the pride of life. Now we know that there was no women actually uh, there in the eternal realm of God where Satan was there was no kingdoms other than the kingdom of God there were no lies to offer Satan there was no drinking no smoking there was nothing like that at all but he still had within himself a lust and a covetousness about him but it was a covetous that was beyond his own station it was beyond what God had made him to be and God had made him to be a a great great outstanding angel, one that in the natural way of looking at it, one that would be envied, as we would say, of having a great place of preeminence in the economy of God. But yet that place was not enough for him. 
So he comes to the spot to where that John brings it up again and we'll go back to verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now let us look at this word pride and look at the meaning of it, of what it is. It is boasting or empty or braggart talk, insolent and empty assurance which trust in its own power and resources and shamefully despises and violates divine laws and human rights. Now, John points out that the world system uses these traps to be able to not only aim at the world, but actually every child of God. No matter how long we've been serving the Lord and how consecrated we are, every time that we mess up in our walk with God, it is one of these three or multiple of these three that get us in trouble. Now, the reason that Satan has not changed his way of doing things from the very fall of man in the Garden of Eden is because they are so successful that he does not have to change them. Now, he might change the means in the days, of course, of, of, of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in the days of Abraham and Lot and Sarah and so on down through there. They did not have automobiles. They did not have the Internet, smartphones, television, and so on. But still, it would come back to the exact same three principles that he used on Eve in the Garden of Eden. Exact the same three that he used on the Lord Jesus. And they were so successful, even on the Lord Jesus that he tempted him to do it and Jesus as a man was tempted to take it. Now if the incarnate Son of God the word immaculate in a man and it so pulled on his humanity and Satan saw that pull then why would you ever change it to those people like you and I? Now, the same devices that he used back there, he's actually using today. Now, what's this? When the woman saw that the tree was good for food. So here is the lust of the flesh. And it was pleasant to the eyes. So she sees a tree that was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, which was the pride of life. Now, many people look at this, at the pride of life, and they say, well, I, I'm not really proud. I don't really have anything to, to, to be proud of. I'm poor, and, and I barely make it. No, you're not understanding what the pride of life actually is. The pride of life does not only affect the rich and the wealthy, and those who would have a lot of things that will be make them very substantial and why. But I've dealt with many, many poor people that had just as much pride and sometimes more than the people who have many things because they are so pride, proud in what they are that they would not let a person that had means actually help them because their own pride and they resent it. They actually resent people actually reaching out a helping hand. And there are some people that have things and material goods, but yet they don't have that arrogant, puffed up type of attitude about them. 
And yet we know that it was not money, it was not a bank account, it was none of that in heaven, it was none of that actually in the Garden of Eden. So pride goes way beyond just the rich as far as being rich in money. Eve was not rich. Money was not in existence at all. But it was her seeking and desiring a portion which was beyond what God had allocated them to have. This is the pride of life. It's us looking at even sometimes the Word. Now, God gives us, each of us as the elect of God, God predetermines our understanding with our walk, our experiences are ordained with God. We could fast and pray and fast and pray and fast and pray and really we'll never move beyond what God knows is best for us to have as His children. Now, we all can look at different people and you lay people will look at other lay people and you'll admire them and you look at preachers and you think well I'll never be like brother Darrell I'll never be like brother Tim or I'll never be like brother Ron or whoever more that you would look at and respect but yet if you're not careful you'll look at other people that are sort of on your level and you say well I, I want to be like them and I, I wish I could be like them but in reality what we should desire is to be exactly what God predestinated for us to be the prophet even tells us that our experiences are ordained of God. Now what Satan actually was offering to Eve first in the Garden of Eden. Now they were made in the image of God and whenever he tells her that you can be like God it's not the image of God that he's trying to tempt her with. But it is a knowledge of God that is beyond the knowledge that God had previously allocated to her. So he offers her something that is beyond the predestinated scope of what God called her to be. Now this is the pride of life. Now whether we are laity, whether we are deacons, trustees, preachers, whatever we are, every person that loves the Lord Jesus will be tempted, has been tempted, or will continue to be tempted in this aspect that Satan will constantly try to offer us things that seem so spiritual and so supernatural, but it will be beyond what God has called you to be. Now God has called the sheep to be exactly that. God never called sheep to be the pastor's special little helpers. And they're, you know, they're called to just keep an eye on the pastor in case the pastor gets off here, gets off there. And in case the church goes to make a decision to do something, they're always there to second guess the credibility of the pastor and his leadership and so on and so on. Uh oh, I'm getting to an amenless service now. And, and you see, people don't realize they feel that in their heart and they honestly think that's the Holy Ghost but the Holy Ghost will never lead you contrary to your predestinated walk with God much of what we deem as the Holy Ghost is the devil because it is Satan that's trying to lead us beyond what God has allocated for us. And yet every one of us are tempted to go in that way. To where we feel like that, well, you know, really I'm not recognized for all that I am. And I'm not used. I'm not appreciated for all that I am. I know so much more and I could do so much more if God and Brother Donnie and everybody else only knew my potential. Are y'all amen to me out there? Because these brothers ain't saying nothing. 
Now, it's, you know, this is something when we come to the pride of life that many people don't even identify as pride. But yet this is the very thing that God looks down worse upon than if a woman cuts her hair. If we would see one of our brothers out somewhere and we saw him out running around with short britches, oh my goodness, we would rebuke him. If we seen him with a gold chain around his neck, my, my, we seen him, oh Lord have mercy. That would be the extreme of worldliness. But yet none of that was what got the devil. It was him wanting to rise above his spiritual capacity of what God made him to be. Now, in doing that, it was the pride of his life. Now, the pride of life, actually what it does, it causes the individual to where that they want to focus even the religious things of God, the word, the message, their church and everything. It wants them to be more of the center focus than the Lord Jesus. And if there's anyone that's called to be greater than them, they just can't understand it. It just eats on them so bad. You know, and then there's it's that way among business people and competition and with many it's the pride of life owning what they own and they can't wait because they bought a new vehicle and they've got to let everybody know that it costs $5,000 more than their new vehicle that they just bought or they got a bigger house or oh my that you know all their clothes come from Macy's and here and there and the other and what is that? That's the pride of life. Now you see many can say amen to that because that's what they think pride curtails. But if that was pride then Satan never Never sinned in heaven because there was no Macy's and there was no place to be able to buy nicer clothes he didn't want clothes he wanted a higher position than what God gave him and this was the pride of life now notice in the lusts of the flesh it would appeal to a man's fallen nature and when we call that many times on the New Testament referring to it it's not actually speaking about the body itself but it's the fallen nature that even the redeemed are left with after the soul has been reconciled to God so the flesh is the nature that we receive that body part and we'll read a couple of scriptures here on it at the first verse but the the spirit part is the part that Jesus told Nicodemus about in the book of John whenever uh, Jesus was trying to convey to Nicodemus about the new birth and he told him that, uh, that he must be born again and Nicodemus just didn't get it and then maybe the evening wind started blowing as it would there in the Mediterranean and the, the wind started picking up a little bit and Jesus used this as an example so he, he might have let the wind come through and just blow a little bit as and he sat there maybe and he, and he leaned back a little bit and it come across his face and he used this and he told Nicodemus well Nicodemus this is the way those that are born again they are like the wind the wind comes and it goes and you don't know where it come from and you don't know where it goes and you say what an odd peculiar thing to liken the new birth to so here he was trying to convey to a man that there was a higher sphere in God to where a man could walk. And he said, are you a master? Are you a rabbi in Israel? And you do not understand these things. And the sad thing about it is many folks do not understand it today. 
The physical birth still leaves us with the natural attachment to the flesh man. But the spirit birth by the Holy Ghost replaces that which we were born with in the soul and gives us a nature of God. So then the Christian has the regenerated nature. What dies is the snake inside of your heart. Now remember, Brother Branham draws the two human hearts and he draws the snake inside of one preaching future home and then he draws a dove inside the other. Now whenever he says the Holy Ghost come over here and it took that old snake out of this heart and it put the dove of the Holy Ghost. But if you'll notice, he didn't change the heart. It was not the embodiment. It was the same temple. So it is a new creation left in the same old temple. So if you had gray hair when you got the Holy Ghost, you didn't get black hair back. If you had dentures, no more than likely you still had dentures. If you have, you was missing a kidney, you was missing a gallbladder, more than likely when you got the Holy Ghost, you didn't get your gallbladder back. Why? Because God is not working on the body so much right now, but he's focusing on the soul because the resurrection come from where? Where did Jesus' resurrection come from first? From the inside out. So he was resurrected inside the tomb, then broke the stone and went on the outside. Same thing with us as our soul is the type of the tomb. The new birth comes from the soul and then it brings into captivity all the chains of the mortality and brings it subject to the Holy Ghost. And yet it leaves us as Paul would say it this way in Romans 5.16. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So here Paul is writing to people who are capable of walking in the spirit. So it could not be justified and sanctified people. They cannot walk in the spirit. This is only converted New Testament saints filled with the Holy Ghost. So here he's writing to New Testament saints that can walk in the Spirit, but at the same time, he contrasts that and said, This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Can we lust as Christians? Brothers, can y'all shame to raise your hands? Go ahead. That's it. That's it. Amen. Nod your heads. Praise the Lord. All you saints out there can do the same thing. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against, notice this is capital S, which is the Holy Spirit. The flesh lusteth against the Spirit. So then we become the embodiment or the tabernacle of deity living inside of our soul. And what does our body do? Our flesh do? The unregenerate man it will lust against or war against the spirit on the inside. And the spirit on the inside will war against the flesh on the outside. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. Romans six twelve. Let not sin therefore reign. And the Greek word there is basilio which is to be king or to have dominion over. Now notice he's speaking to a being here that looks like a mortal being, but it's more than mortal. He says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. So he's speaking to a heavenly creature which is still in the embodiment or prison of flesh and he's speaking to the regenerate soul and the regenerate soul is the one that can receive verse 12. Let not therefore sin reign in your mortal body. So he identifies the possession of the body belonging to the soul instead of the soul belonging to the body. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. At one time, we all belonged to the kingdom of darkness, soul, spirit, and body. But after you're converted, amen, something happens. Then what happens? The king from the inside of your soul claims your body as his own. And he identifies and speaks to your soul and tells your soul, don't let sin reign in your body. Why? Because he wants you to know your flesh is yours. Oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you can do it. And if you ain't got the Holy Ghost, I don't know of a better time to get it than tonight. That's right. And when you get it, then you come into the right possession and inheritance. Oh, Brother Donnie, I want my inheritance. I want mine. I do too. And a lot of what I want mine is right here. My, we look at great spiritual things. I want to dream. I want to prophesy. I want to do this and the other. And can't even control your own body. How is God going to trust us with great spiritual things when we can't even bring pride and arrogance and hurt feelings and so on? And we want to be able to walk up there and fellowship with angels? Let's bring this body subject and then we'll see what we are about gifts. Well, hallelujah. Notice this. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. So this puts the control tower of the body. Where, Brother Darrell? It puts it in the soul. It makes the Holy Ghost inside of you to be able to be the dominion one, to be the king, that spirit of God. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. So he's speaking to the immortal part and said, keep this in mind. You, I'm talking to your soul. You are immortal. You are quickened you have been changed and don't you allow sin to reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it what's he doing he's separating the mortal from the immortal praise God that ye should obey it in the left side watch him separating the soul now from the body neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. He's talking to two people. He's talking to two separate people from two separate worlds under two separate dominions. Amen. The soul ain't fighting against God that's born again. It's not the soul. Oh God, I don't want to do your will. No God, no God, no. The soul that is born again says, yes Lord, whatever you want I'll do it. Whatever you tell me to do. But who don't like that? This right here this is the one that wants to fight against it why it's not redeemed yet amen notice he said but yield yourselves unto God that those that oh praise God we just had our Easter service now last Sunday those that are alive from the dead we are the continuation of Easter and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God but notice he's still separating you from your members He's laying the control. But look how powerful that this can be that righteousness transcends sin. And God, by you obeying the Holy Ghost, oh, well, it's just works. It ain't works. It's bringing your hands, your mind, your mouth, your ears, your eyes, your body, bringing it subject to the Holy Ghost. Oh, you say that's legalism. It is not legalism. When you make your body obey the Word, God renders it righteousness. Righteousness. 
That's exactly right. Just like if Satan can get you to do something wrong and take the members of your body and God looks at that and said, that's unrighteous. You shouldn't have done that. You broke my word, right? Uh, God says, all right, turn it right around. Let the power of my word live in you. And go ahead and read your Bible when you don't feel like it. Clap your hands when you don't feel like it. Pray when you don't feel like it. And I will attribute that to righteousness because you are making your unwilling flesh obey my word. And you took charge of your flesh and said, flesh, sit down. Me and you's fixing to have a talk. I'm the, I want you to know I'm the man here. I'm the chief. The Holy Ghost is inside of me. And I need your hands to clap tonight. I'm tired. I said, shut up. You're going to clap. And amen her. You're going to amen the preacher. And we're going to pray and we're going to read our Bible. I don't feel like I, I told you to shut your mouth. I'm the boss here. I run this ship. I run this house. I'm in charge. I pay the bills hallelujah but a lot of times we let the flesh which is the weaker of you well I don't feel like it I don't want to I don't feel like praying oh my we ought to grab a hold of it and say look here devil I'm sick and tired of you taking my inheritance we talk about it when it comes to healing there's more to this being our inheritance than just healing one of the greatest inheritances that we as the saints of God have is the inheritance of obedience unto submission that you live and you think you're not doing anything because you don't go out there in the world it is a victory every day in this world that over 7 billion people on the face of the earth that many of them cannot live that life hallelujah Praise be to God. Notice this in verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. Boy, I'll tell you one thing. The devil sure don't like hearing that. But it's a way a child of God can live. I don't think this is in the future. This is who I am tonight. And I know some of you brothers are the same way. Some of you saints, wherever you're streaming from, you're the same way. It's part of who you are. Oh my, has this time been difficult for all of us? Absolutely, it's been difficult for all of us. Oh, Brother Donnie, you thinking about backsliding? You kidding me? All my ships are burned. All my bridges are already tore down. Why in the world would I want to go back to the world? My, I'm closer home now than I've ever been. Praise God. Notice this again. Let's go back now. And as we look at this, that John, and he brings these, and oh, I love the way that John deals with this because he's the only one that details it quite in this way. He said, all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So the third device that John focuses on here is the boastful pride of life. Now, God's glory is rich and full and wonderful, and man's glory is vain and empty. Now, we've all been around people, and oh my goodness, the only thing, the, the, really the preeminent thing they wanted to talk about was them. You can't hardly get a word in edgewise because the whole conversation is just about them. And then they want to know why you didn't say nothing. Well, you've got to give us a little bit of word. You've got to give us a little bit of room. But if you're expecting me to join in and, and praise you on that bandwagon, uh, forget it because I ain't going to do it. I don't know any people that's very praiseworthy. A whole lot. I know a lot's got a lot of mistakes and a lot of faults. There's one I want to go around with praise on my lips. And it ain't no preacher I know. It ain't no laity I know. There ain't nobody that I want to go around like that but my Lord Jesus. 
Now, I'm sorry if that makes you mad. That's just tough. And man's vein is actually, in fact, the Greek word here that's used for pride was used to describe a braggart who was trying to impress people with his importance. And you see, people are always trying to outdo one another. Now, it's amazing, my, all these rich people that's done all they've done. People have lied and cheated and stolen, done everything to get many of the things that they've got. It's done them a lot of good in the last few weeks, hasn't it? All quarantined and sitting at home with all their money. All their lies and all the people they cheated and can't go nowhere, can't spend nothing, can't do nothing. Just like as if you had nothing. So really when it comes right down to it, I don't guess money is the main thing of life after all, is it? It's just a script that we use to buy things. But in reality, many of you, have you longed to see your bank account? Have you longed to have more money? Or have you longed to see people in church and your family members? Oh, how we long to, to be able to grab one another by the hand. My goodness, won't it be awesome when we can put our arms around one another? And my, just feel that love in our heart. Even as family members, you know, you just feel, you just feel the soul so missing inside of your heart. Oh, the Lord Jesus, His love is wonderful. And I, I so appreciate it. It's not Him so much I miss. I'm talking to him every day. I'm studying his word every day. It's not him so much I miss. I'm talking to him and praying. But it's you all. It's you all. Oh my, the saints of God and your family. God made us to be social creatures, even people out here in the world. You know, and you just you want to shake their hand. It's just something about it. You want to shake their hand. So really, which of which you miss the most? Your money, your silver, your gold, or people? People. We won't have no allocation of money in heaven. So you might be rich here, but you won't be rich there. Your riches there will be determined by what you've done with your riches here. Now, notice this. A Christian can be tempted through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, once the world then accesses either the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, or the pride of life, and goes to gaining inroads into the child of God's life, then the child of God becomes dwindled spiritually. And they begin to lose their joy. And they begin to lose their, their prayer life. And reading the Word becomes a real chore. And going to church becomes a real burden. And doing things becomes, you know, for God, can become very difficult fellowshipping with saints of God and trying to put forth the effort and turning the other cheek as we would say. It can become disappointing and letting down because you think, well, what, what's the good of it all? Well, what's the worst of it all? And if you look back in your life, somewhere Satan through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life has begun to gain access in to cut off your water supply. Now, Brother Bram tells us that the children of Israel thought that God had left them, of course, when they're going through the dry spot. But he said God hadn't left them, they left him. And we know it's the same way with us, is that right? Now, what? So, the pride of life is the central lust of the ego by which man desires to be praised. Now, we all want to be told and know that we're appreciated. I'll, I'll be the first one to say that. I want to, I want to know that I'm appreciated and loved, and I thank you all for loving me. I appreciate that with all of my heart. But there is a fine line to where that we want to be appreciated, and some people never get enough of that. They constantly, 
the more you give them, the more you want. And the more they want, the more you try to give them. And the more you try to give them, the more they want. And it's like it's never, ever satisfied. Now, this is the way that Satan was once he began to recognize this. Now, remember, this is the birth of sin right in his very soul. So the human being that insists upon being the person itself is what they want to be praised. Instead of the work of God. Now, this is where preachers, singers, songwriters, musicians, people in the work of God have to be so careful because if we're not careful, we'll take the gift of God, merge it over into the human part, and the human part will take the pride of life and want the praise and the adoration and so on for what God has done. Now, we all know of gifted people that are so gifted and yet you can brag on them and you have a hard time bragging on it because, you know, they really don't like taking it. They really have a hard time. And there's others that you can never brag enough. Now, the, the difference is, it's not that one gifts from God and the other's not. It's that one of them has learned the value of being able to receive appreciation and thanks and all of that and knowing that there is a line there that it does not come over and attach itself to the pride of life. Now, is it wrong for us to be able to perform a song, brothers? Is it wrong to be able to play beautifully and, and take your gift and be happy that God helped you to do it. Of course not. Is it wrong for a preacher to put forth an effort, Brother Darrell, and study and study, and then people, after the service, text him, call him, email, Brother, that was so good, that was so wonderful. But yet there's a delicate spot, oh my, uh, where uh, any gifted person, that they draw the line and they do not take that to their own persona, that they do not receive that as if though it was them that brought that about. You understand? understand what I'm saying. Now you see for preachers, for singers, for songwriters, many of you would be able to say, oh yeah, sure, I can see that, I can see that, but can you see it in yourself? You see, some people have so much pride that they always, when they hear someone mispronounce a word or say, say the wrong word, they always have to correct them. But if anybody corrects them, it offends them. Oh, Jesus, help me now, Lord. They love to be able to, you said so-and-so, or no, you said the wrong word. Now, they love doing that, but they themselves cannot take it if someone would say that to them. Oh my, that sounds like the modern media and the modern politicians, don't they? As long as things go on their way. But you see, the pride of life is so devastating. Do you understand that God hates this above all the others? God hates this. Brother Ram said pride will cut you off from God. Pride will actually cause people to be lost. Now whenever it becomes into the pride of life, that it becomes the passion of their soul. Now this is what it was, of course, that transformed Lucifer into Satan. Now remember, he didn't smoke a cigarette. He didn't go around drinking. There wasn't no women up there in heaven. He was whistling at them. Uh, there wasn't no movies that he slipped over and watched an x-ray. He did something or another. There was nothing like that at all. But something within his own being. Now no doubt God made him with such splendor and brilliance. And, and, and I'm sure that maybe other angels would have come up and, and maybe even complimented and said things 
things about him. But yet in the potential of his own soul, the batting ground by which sin could be burst, in his own soul, it crossed over from the praise and adoration which should have belonged to God. Remember Herod in the New Testament, whenever he, he stood and gave this great speech, and the people that was around him that day said, Oh my, this is wonderful. This is so wonderful. This is not the voice of a man. It's the voice of a God. But the Bible says instead of Herod giving praise to God, worms smote him and killed him. Isn't it amazing? One statement from that man, Brother Darrell, from his heart saying, no, 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 no. No, that's not me. God is the one who gave me this ability. God would have spared his life. Remember Nebuchadnezzar, whenever he, in his wisdom, my, got so big and so puffed up, and what did God do? Because of the pride of life, God let that man turn into almost an animal. God let his claws go out like bird claws, and his hair growed out on his body like the feathers on the back of an eagle. Because of pride, God absolutely despises pride. Oh my, may God help every one of us. You see, it's the personal desire to occupy the control tower within our being. To be exalted to what, not the will of God says, but what we think our full potential is. Now this is what he brings to Eve. He's telling her, you're ignorant. You don't know much. Well, look at you, you poor ignorant thing. What about this? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, my husband said that. Well, but, but, well what, what about, don't, don't you want a child? Don't you want to bring forth? Well, I mean, I, I don't know. Well, when? Well, I don't know. Well, how? I don't know. Oh, you got a bunch of questions, do you? Well, I don't understand that. You're supposed to be a daughter of God. You remember, when the devil goes asking questions, you better be careful. The pride of life is that sinful temptation of excess exaltation. Let me go ahead and say it. That every human being, every one of them, must put under their feet. Oh, praise God. It was so powerful. It turned the brightest angel in heaven from being Lucifer to being Satan. Don't tell me that we can withstand this ourselves and be able to do it. Now, I put down some examples that might help us to be able to understand about the pride of life. Desiring to get credit or glory for things that others or God did. Desiring for others to worship or hold us in excess esteem. Now, we ought to esteem one another. And according to the position that God has allocated to us, we need to render to deacons, trustees, ministers, you know, song leaders, whoever more. The esteem that is given by God for that position. But the pride will be for a preacher, deacon, musician, song leader, whoever more, to reach into a realm that is excess. The pride of life will never be satisfied with the divine allocation of God. It will always tempt you above and beyond. Listen, to be more spiritual than what God allowed you or wanted you. 
You see, and this is the realm that becomes so scary. Because many people want to be so spiritual. They break into the realm of demons. And they go to having dreams and visions. The prophet tells us, 1964, harvest time, that Satan can hand out supernatural gifts by the handfuls. Why would he do that? He will only do it to those who want to move beyond their predestinated scope. Because a real son or daughter of God said, No, Lord, no, Lord. I want that only if you want me to have it. I, want, I only want that, Lord, if that's what you want for me. You, you know best. You know best, God. So you keep me where I can be. Oh, friend, how dangerous this is. How dangerous it is. Desiring, notice this, another one that I put down. Desiring for others to worship us or hold us in excess esteem or to make a name for ourselves. And another one, desiring to feel valued or more important than others around us. Praise the Lord. Desiring to have positions of power over others in a way that puffs up our own ego for the sake of bragging rights. Now you'll have to take my word for this. That there are some preachers that if you go to talking about God using their gifts and using their ministry and you just get into a chat and uh, just reporting some of the things that God has been doing. There are certain preachers in our message. Their miracles are always greater. Their sermons are always more profound. The things that happen in their church are always greater than any other of the message churches. I hate to say that, but I have to be honest. It always breaks my heart because I'm in on some chats like that. And when certain ones will testify of certain things that are done, oh my, it's so wonderful, it's so incredible, it's so this, and someone else will testify of just a supernatural miracle and hardly nothing is said about it. Now we are giving credit to God, then should it make a difference who the man is that God uses? Then should not God get the same amount of praise if brother A prayed for him as if brother Z or brother Y or brother G prayed for him? Really, they are only instruments by which God expressed himself. Should not the glory go to God instead of the glory going to the man that did the prayer? And yet you hear it and oh my, I thought when I left Pentecost Harry, years ago, when we come out of there, I thought we was beyond that because I saw that so much in Pentecost. It made me sick, Brother Larry. We dealt with it so much, seeing it there. And it was like competition constantly going over and over. And I thought when I come to the message that we would be away from such. Because this is one of the things that caught my attention about the prophet of God. It was not how great he was and how magnanimous he was and how incredible his gift was and so on and so on and so on. One of the things that so stood out to me years ago when I first started listening to tapes and still does to this very day was the way he talked to the Lord Jesus 
and the way he talked about the Lord Jesus and the way that he would even share testimonies about what the Lord Jesus was doing. And he would say, it was not me. I was only there. He allowed, hallelujah, he allowed me to be there with him and have my picture made with him. Sometimes I wonder if some of the preachers around the message don't feel like that they allowed the Lord Jesus to have his picture took with them. By the way, they want to project it. You know, the whole bride needs them. No, every one of us are replaceable. If time goes on, and now listen to me, if time goes on, either, either the way of the grave or whatever more, Brother Tim Pruitt will pass off the earth. Donnie Reagan will pass off the earth. Daryl Ward, Ron Spencer, all the men of God that are on the earth, if time goes on, there'll be other men. Every one of us are replaceable. I love all of our musicians, our deacons, our trustees, but there ain't a one of them that is not replaceable. And whenever we get them to think the whole economy of God operates around us, we're getting ready for a fall. Because pride goes before a fall, and it did in the Garden of Eden. A haughty spirit went before the greatest fall, man, has ever known. Can I go on just a bit more? Now watch. So Satan himself, as we've looked at this before, but Isaiah 14, 14, he said, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Now watch this. This is is the temptation of the pride of life that births out of his own being, wanting a position in heaven that superseded what God had given him by divine decree. Now remember, this is why God hates this type of pride. It is satanic. It is evil. It is wicked. Now I know it, it, it just about blows our mind because we think cigarettes are, are evil and, and drinking is evil, but there's no cigarettes in heaven. There was no drinking in heaven. This is what started sin in the beginning. A being wanting to be, can I say it this way? Wanting to be more spiritual than what God allocated him to be. Oh, I'll tell you one thing. How happy we ought to be tonight if God called you to be a lay member. If God called you to be a preacher, a deacon, a trustee. Let's find that position and walk in it. Let's not be jealous of this man's place, that man's place, another man's place. Lord, just reveal to me my place and let me be happy therein. Oh, but Brother Donnie, I don't have dreams and I want to have dreams and I want to have visions that's fine if God wants you to have them but don't open yourself up to demons friends the prophet even warned us about people going on 40 day fast and he said they opened themselves up oh my how many stories I could tell you of men that I knew of and read and even knew personally and heard of back in Pentecost that went on these long fasts and opened themselves up to demon spirits and come out with all kinds of things those devils have not died they're right around the message of the hour but remember the spirit of God will never lead us beyond the word oh I'll tell you brother Donnie I'm getting this revelation that revelation that's well and good but God has used one man in this day to bring the superior premium revelation of the message of the hour and that is a prophet of God amen the word does not come to me I'm not a prophet the word does not come to any other man of this message God sent us Malachi 4 I don't see no Malachi 4 and a half in the middle between that there is no other prophet I'm not looking for another prophet myself I'm 
looking for Jesus. And those who desire to move into that realm are moving into the realm of demons. Will they have experiences? Not a doubt in my mind. Will they have dreams? Will they have visions? Will they have feelings? Not a doubt in my mind. But does it mean it's God? Absolutely not. The way to try it, try it by the word. The Holy Ghost will never lie. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let me have just a little bit more time. Now let's look at these three temptations, if you will. How that Satan used this against Eve and then down to the Lord Jesus. He used all three of these in the Garden of Eden. And he come to the Lord Jesus the same way. Notice in, in Genesis 3, 6 again. When the woman saw, saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes... Lust of the flesh, good. Saw, yes. Oh my, then pleasant to the eyes. Lust of the eyes. And a tree to be desired to make one humble. To make one simple. To make one glorify God. Ah, but to what? Make one wise. Give her more wisdom than her pastor, Adam. Now praise the Lord. Boy, sheep always get quiet when you go this way. Because they're only, they only have a one lopsided understanding of Nicolaitanism. They think Nicolaitanism is the pastor trying to rule the congregation. You only understand half of that. The other half is the congregation trying to rule the pastor. That's right. And the congregation saying we don't need the move of the Holy Ghost and we don't need the move of the Spirit of God. Yes, that's the beginning of Nicolaitanism. We always need the move of the Holy Ghost in our church. And it's going to always be here as long as I'm the pastor anyway. That's right. It's all of us working together. There is a line that the pastor walks. God don't want him to be a dictator. God never meant for him to be your Holy Ghost. But he did mean for him to be your shepherd. Which means that you'll never, 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 never. Come here, Brother Aaron. I need a example please get down on your hands and knees there little sheepy come here brother Larry can you get down on your hands and knees too on this side oh I understand there you go there you go brothers now which one do you figure has the higher elevation of you sheep or shepherd what shepherd which one would God then use to be able to put over the flock? Now, if the wolf is coming up here, coming across the view, they can't even see it. All right, brothers, lift your head up. Look this way and look that way. No, just stay on your fours now. Now you're trying to get your place now. Look back and forth, back and forth, look around. You see? So if the sheep was coming up this way and they're all coming together and the wolf is behind them, could this sheep see them? And this sheep can't see him because he's got his eyes on that sheep. So what will Satan try to do? He will try. Get up, little sheepies. Come on. Y'all ain't going to do it? Now, wait a minute. Don't you think now Brother Donnie might need your help to lead the flock? What do you think? Brother Darrell might need your influence to teach him in his ministry. Now, come on. Come on, little sheepies. Raise up out of your place now. It won't hurt you. You'll be as gods. You'll be as pastors and preachers and shepherds. Boy, these guys are doing good. God bless you, brothers. Thank you. But the sad part about it is, many sheep and many pastors don't stay where them brothers stayed in their place. 
Because they want to be greater than everybody else. They got to be superior in their understanding. Their miracles are always greater. Their sermons are always more fiery. If they're not more fiery, they're longer. They've always got to be more and more and more somehow. They've got to be greater. That's a sick person. The prophet said you find a, a person, a lay member. Let me not limit it to a lay member. But let me say any person that always needing attention, that is a sick person. And they need for God to take that evil spirit out of them, he said. Oh, wow. So it's not humility. It's not spiritual. It's evil. Preach, Brother Donnie. Amen, Brother Donnie. Now what? So it was a tree to be desired to make one wise, to know more, to see more. Maybe she could tell her husband some things he didn't know. She did. You see, once her eyes come open, and whenever Adam come in that evening in the Garden of Eden, I'm sure her behavior was totally different. Because now she was handling herself as a sexy woman. And Adam had never seen her act that way. Now she was enlightened to what she had. It was a powerful tool. Didn't take much discernment to be able to tell what has happened to her. So she enlightened him all right. The prophet said whenever he quoted this and made reference to it, he told Eve, he said, Eve, you ain't supposed to do no preaching now. Adam's going to rule over you. Don't you understand the first woman preacher in the Bible was Eve. She come telling her husband some things he didn't know. What was it? The pride of life. Oh, I can't wait to tell Adam. <laughs> Boy, I know something he don't know. I'm smarter than him. Watch out, Eve. Thank you, Jesus. Anything that exalts us above our station and offers us the illusion of godlike traits that step outside the confines of the word are satanic. Whew. Now notice then if it makes us boast and makes us feel above others and we have this about us. Remember, that is not of the Father. That's what the Bible says. It is not of the Father. It is of Satan. And friends... Every one of us is going to have to put this under our feet or we will never, let me emphasize it again, never leave this world in a rapture. If God kicks Satan out because of this pride, how can he let one person around this message go in with the same type of pride? Heaven would be contaminated all over again. But what does the cross bring? The cross being an instrument of death. And I've said it before and you remember me saying of course. That the Lord Jesus mentions about our cross more than he does his own. And what does the cross represent? A symbol of death. Constant dying on the cross. So instead of it gratifying self and bringing self to honor and bringing self to glory, it is a denying of self over and over again. 
Now, a preacher, a singer, a songwriter that God uses them and musicians and whatever more. My, people come up, brother, that was so wonderful. Thank you so much. That changed my heart. That changed my life. But yet in reality, if God inspired the person to write that song and give them the music, the person has nothing to brag on themselves. The preacher has the gift and, and, and the ability to study and put things together and God anoints the gift. But really if God had not given the preacher the gift, the preacher would have never got the inspiration in the first place. So I, myself, I have never, although I've been preaching since I was 18 years old, I have never walked out of the pulpit anywhere around the world where I preached. Whether I preached to five or five thousand or seven thousand at a time, I have never walked out of there and feeling proud in my human arrogance for the job that I've done. Now, I realize it may seem very simple to some, but I learned that fear, thank God, many, many years ago before I ever come to the message. I learned that fear. God instilled that fear in me when I was a Pentecostal. Now, I know some of y'all don't like that term, but I thank God for many of the things I learned back there because there's truth then and there's truth now. I'm glad I learned it back then, Brother Darrell. There is a place you do not take glory and credit away from God. And this is exactly what Satan wanted to do. So this was the main temptation that he wants to bring man over from God's side to his own side so he elevates the man in his thinking via the woman to be like God oh my now they were made in the image of God what more like God could they be the pride of life when she heard there's something he's keeping from you now I'll tell you why brother Donnie's preaching this tonight he's jealous of you well let me just assure you there is no man, no woman, no devil, no angel that I'm jealous of. There is not one preacher in Pentecost. There is not one preacher in the denominations. There is not one preacher in the message I'm jealous of. I have no right to be jealous of no man. God gifts the brothers the way he wants to. God gave me my little portion. I just want to be faithful with what God gave me. No, I'm not jealous of any man. If they see 37,000 visions and I see none, well, praise God. Then that means they're going to be held accountable for 37,000 visions. If they out-preach me, out-anoint me, do 50 times the miracles that I do, so be it. I'm doing all I can with all my heart. I'll stand there that day and I'll be rewarded a hundredfold like they will be a hundredfold. Amen. Because why? I've done my best. And people don't understand the numerics there in the parable. They think some 30, some 60, some 100. Oh, and he's not talking about percent. He's talking about multiplying 30-fold, multiplying 60-fold, multiplying 100-fold. Every one of the bride, the elect of God, this is one thing that makes them different. There'll be no 30% Christians in the bride. They're all 100-fold believers. But yet, will they bring forth the same reward? Of course not. But they all will do their best because they're something in them. Therefore, we don't need to compete. We don't need to compare. We do not need to be jealous. We just say, Lord, give me your spot. Help me to find my spot. I don't want to move beyond it, Lord, but I don't want to lay slack back here either. I want to find exactly where you want me to be. No more, no less. Help me to get that and just walk therein. Paul said, I found the state that I'm in to be happy and be content. Praise God. Let's stand together. God bless you. Praise the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise be to God. Oh, how we appreciate him tonight for his love and mercy. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
Now you see, this is the very opposite of kenosis. Kenosis was the mighty God. I love the way the prophet says in the church age book, he was the everlasting father there in eternity. He was the father. But he loved fatherhood, so he must become a son, which is the opposite of what we would think. So he emptied himself and condescended. This is why it brought total confusion to the devil and his demons. Are you the son of God? Are you? Who are you? Tell us, who are you? They could not understand this type of condescension. And Satan still don't understand it today. If he did, he'd leave every son and daughter of God alone that's got the Holy Ghost. But he still knows that potential lays in our humanity. For us to pull over into that fine line of being exalted and getting into God's glory. Oh, God help us. God help every one of us. Amen. To be able to find our place and be what God. God made you a sheep. Be a good one. Read, study your Bible. Sure, listen to tapes. But remember, you'll never walk as high as the men of God. You're not called to. You're not called to. Oh, I get emails from people and they're just sheep and they're, they're trying their best to walk in a sphere that they're not even called to walk. And many times I read their emails and they're so complex and, and so complicated, I'm not sure if they're trying to impress me or themselves or the devil. And many times, you know what I write back? I don't know. Amen. I'm not sure. Because I think, what, what good does it all do? I get them 52 questions answered and they'll write back 47 more. And many times you think, what good does it do just to prove that we know this and that and the other and we can quote it? I wonder if the pride of life don't become involved even in our quoting and our memorization. Brother Ram said a sister will let her hair grow out. I've got it here. We'll read it maybe next time. The sisters begin to let their hair grow out and they look at themselves and they think how pretty that it is. Now you imagine the thing that Satan tormented them to death when they was letting their hair grow out over. And then what did he do? He turned it on them. Then their hair grew out and they saw how pretty it was. And Satan twisted it around from being a burden when God let their crown finally grow out. And then Satan tried to flip it on them and turn it into the pride of life. And then they look at themselves and think, my, I am so pretty. I am so beautiful. Wow. You used to bob it off. You used to cut it. You used to hate long hair. And then he flipped it on you. Look how sly. How cunning. But I'm going to tell him tonight. Slewfoot, there's going to be a bride that's going to leave this world that's going to have you under her feet in every aspect. The lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, the pride of life. Praise God. Let me, not, let me not give it all away, but look at the Lord Jesus. The very last temptation, Brother Darrell, has to do with what? The pride of life. If you are the Son of God, I want you to prove your power. Prove yourself. Go ahead. Tempting Him in a spiritual aspect. Now remember, Jesus was actually tempted to throw Himself off. Satan tempting him in a spiritual realm. Prove what you are. You all are believers. Pick up a rattlesnake. Pick up a copperhead. Prove your faith. 
the state laws and come to church. COVID won't bother us. Uh Uh-huh. That's what some of the message people have said and preached too. And several churches now have it in their churches. Why? Because they was bragging. They was handling their rattlesnakes, handling their copperheads, instead of submitting and humbling themselves the way all the rest of us had to do. Remember 1965, Ashamed of Him when the prophet was there in Africa? They put it on the Ashamed of Him tape. Brother Branham told the people before he left, he said, I'm going to go. Oh, you just wait. It's going to be a great meeting. God's going to do this and God's going to do that and God's going to do something else. And when he got his visa back stamped on there, no preaching. He nearly cried. The people cried. They met him at the airport and somebody had to record them. They recorded a few words. And Brother Branham said, oh, I feel like preaching. And the interpreter said, I remember the little girl. And the interpreter said, Brother Branham, that was my wife's mother. Oh, he said, that was a, oh my, he said, oh, I feel like preaching, he said. But the Bible says, render unto Caesar the things that belong to Caesar. You imagine Elijah not preaching because Caesar stamped on his visa, no religious service. So some of you ignorant message people would look at it and call him a compromiser. He wasn't a compromiser. He understood faith. You'll be picking up rattlesnakes left, necks and copperheads. I don't have to pick up a rattlesnake to prove my faith. But if one bites me, I'll prove my faith then. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's not try to move into that realm. Go ahead. Go ahead. Throw yourself down. Handle that snake. Handle that snake. Go ahead. Defy that virus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Preacher up in Richmond, Virginia, made his brag and his boast and stood up. I'm essential. I'm needed. Oh, I'm not scared of that virus died on Monday. With what? Coronavirus. Apparently his possession and his soul didn't match his mouth. And what did it do? It went all over the press all around the world. For what? For people to make fun of. Amen. So you see when we brag insolent attitudes God will let us be humbled. So I'd say we're better off to walk humble first and stay humble and then let him exalt us. Because when he humbles you, mud pies don't taste good. That's right. God bless you, saints. I love you with all my heart. I guess some of y'all that's at home say, man, I'm glad I wasn't there tonight. That was a bad whooping. Well, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's what we needed, apparently. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your words tonight, Father. I pray, God, first of all for myself, which I normally don't do. But I pray that you'd help me, Lord. Keep me, Jesus. Help me, Lord God, never to think of myself more highly than I should. Lord, I've seen you do so many things through this little ministry and the people that we reach around the world and what we've been able to do here from our church, one day these people will be so overwhelmed. Oh, I could have been a very wealthy preacher, millionaire many times over had I so desired. But one of these days when we stand there and all the things that has been done is told and these people 
or sharing that reward. They'll wonder. They'll see it then. But Lord, I don't want to just be a has-been and say, well, that's what I was 10 years ago or 5 years ago. I want my life to continue the same way. Seasoned with salt. Lord God, help me, I pray. That I'll never look at myself or our church or our music or our musicians or our ministry brothers. Nothing about us that's great and wonderful. There's only one thing about any of us that would even be acceptable. And that's you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I've seen you do so much through Brother Darrell's ministry. I know the people here at our own assembly, probably even his family would be surprised if they knew all that you've done through him. But Lord, one thing I've always appreciated about him, Father God, is that he can bow his head, close his eyes, and give you the credit and the honor. And saying that, Lord, we know it's not wrong to give testimony and to lift up your name of what you're doing. The saints need to hear that. But help us when we're giving testimony to make sure we find that delicate line and balance. Oh God, that we're able to rejoice. I remember the words that you gave me to speak to Brother Darrell many, many years ago. And telling him, Brother Darrell, you're not really a candidate or one that God can use until you can say God use another man. Lord, we know that that's a true statement. Or if we always want to top out, and Lord, it so scares me when I see so many of the young preachers around the message, and they've got to preach the Saturday night sermons, and they've got to do this, and they've got to be. And I think, Lord, is that where we're headed? Is that all it means to some of these young preachers is their name, Lord, and they want to preach for this big name preacher and that one and that one? Lord, no. God, help us. Don't let our church head that way, Lord. Don't let the message head that way. Father, that's not the spirit it was brought in. It was brought in humility. Oh, God, help us. Help us, Lord Jesus, to always stay small and little in our own eyes. I want all the gifts, Father, that you have with my name on them. But I don't want anybody else's. Lord, if you can't trust me with great gifts, that's fine. I have no problem with that. I want you to give me what I can handle. And help me, Lord, to always be balanced with it, Lord Jesus. I promise I'll not stand in envy all of those that are gifted in ways much greater than me. I've got great friends, great, great men. And I count it an honor just to be called friends of many of these men. And God, you know my heart. And you can strike me dead tonight if it ain't the truth. There's not a one of them that I'm envious of. Not a one that I'm jealous of. That I think, I wish I was like them. Because I know the greater the gift, the more the responsibility. So Lord, I pray, help me just to be what you've made me. Because I'll answer that day, Lord, not for Brother Darrell's gift, not for Brother Ron Spencer, not for any of the rest of these brothers. I'll answer for what little portion you've given me. I don't want to hide it. I don't want to bury it. But I want to be faithful with it, Lord God. Help every preacher, every musician, every songwriter, every member of the bride. Help the sheep tonight, Father. To realize they're not called to be pastor advisors. They're not called, Lord, to tell the deacons how to run their church and do the responsibility that the deacons are called to do that. The sheep are just called, and sure, sheep won't understand. Naturally, they won't understand. They don't know all the circumstances. Sheep don't always understand, and they look at it from their sheep perspective, and they oh, oh, my, the deacons is making a terrible decision. Oh, my, Brother Donnie's making a horrible decision. Well, from their all fours, no higher than they can look, that's probably so. But if they were standing up where I'm standing and looking at what I'm seeing, 
they was looking at the deacons and looking and saying what the preachers are saying, they'd say something afar off. So help us, Lord, when the temptation comes, instead of stepping out of our place, to pray for those that God has put in that place. And realize God never called us to be personal advisors, but prayer warriors for them. Oh, how many folks would be so much better off if they'd spend that time in prayer for the leaders of the church instead of spending all the time trying to study and prove them wrong. Help us, Lord God. I receive your correction tonight, Lord Jesus. Thank you for it, Father. It proves I am a son. Thank you, Lord. I pray for encouragement tonight. I pray for healing. I pray for deliverance. I pray, Father, you'd get us through this time, Lord. Dear God, it can't keep from raising questions in our minds and all type of conspiracy theories going around. And Lord, we hear this and that, and it just raises all these things. These types of things do. Lord, I, I don't claim to have all the answers, but I do know this. Our God is in control. Our government can only do so much. Our president, the Dr. Fauci, and whoever more they are, I ain't looking at them. I'm looking at the rock that I was hewn from. And Lord God, I don't know what they have planned. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But I know the prophet of God said they will never shut her up. He will take her up. I don't care what their plans are. I don't care what their schemes are. They can only move as the providence of God will allow them to move. Lord, hasten the day we can come back, Lord. Grant it, I pray, Father. Be with your people, Lord. In Jesus' name. God bless you, saints. I love you in the Lord. Amen. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord. Take these hands and lift them up. For I have not the strength to praise you near enough. Cause I Lord, I am nothing without you. Feel that way tonight. Take my
worship the Lord for a few moments. Oh, I give myself In your hand. 
just sing this little course as we will if you're, as you're dismissed this evening amen we appreciate you being with us amen and join us tonight amen and just worship in the lord let's sing uh i will praise the lord i will praise the lord no matter what tomorrow may bring amen may we may we always have praise upon our lips to him amen no matter the situation amen no matter what we're going through tonight let's just praise him well i will praise the Lord. 